Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Welcome to Chop Talk. I'm your host, Nate England. If you like the show, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, or any of your social media networks. Write a review and give us a five-star rating. Check out photos and links from this week's show on the Chop Talk Facebook page. And as soon as you're out of quarantine, share this podcast with everyone at your dojo. We don't pay for advertising or clicks, so the only way for the show to grow is for you to spread the word. This week, Ezra Scott joins the show to review one of my all-time favorite movies, the Akira Kurosawa classic starring Toshiro Mifune, Yojimbo. At the top of the show, Ezra and I spend a little extra time catching up, discussing what we've been up to over the last few months, and how we've been handling quarantine, both individually and at our dojos. If hearing more about the COVID will send you into a depression spiral, you can skip ahead to the first break, which is at about 30 minutes in. In the review, Ezra and I talk about Kurosawa and Mifune's influences on Japanese cinema and how this move marked a major change from the earlier Chambara films. World War II strongly affected both the actor and director of this movie, and we get into some of those details, many of which are shown in the documentary Mifune, The Last Samurai. Ezra and I also discuss Yojimbo's influences on American and international films, including, of course, The Dollars Trilogy and The Magnificent Seven. We compare this film to other martial arts and action movies and try to figure out what works and what doesn't. These include Die Hard, Lady Snowblood, Kill Bill, a bunch of Angelina Jolie movies that all sort of blend together. Some great exploitation movies including Coffee, Foxy Brown, and my favorite film of all time, Black Dynamite, starring Michael Jai White. And then, of course, various Marvel TV shows and movies and a few other Tarantino films and some Jackie Chan thrown in there as well, plus a few more. You can find a bunch of great samurai films and other classic movies on the Criterion channel. Check out www.criterionchannel.com. And to find out more about Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate in Nashville, check out www.koshokarate.wordpress.com. And to find out more about me, listen to more Chop Talk. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Ezra, how you doing today? Mr. England, I'm doing great. How about you? Happy um, Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to you, too. So, uh, I guess we haven't talked for about six weeks, I guess, we since we recorded the last episode. So, how has your training been going with all of the... How has your training been going with all of the quarantines? Oh, man, I mean, I've been having a good time training. I haven't got to to train with anybody else really I have one uh one student that I do personal training with 
Mm-hmm. And in the last uh, two weeks, I have trained him a couple times, like held the pads for him and stuff like that. But uh, the guys in the dojo, we have a uh, sort of unique situation over there because, you know, I mean, everybody doesn't know this probably that's listening, but Mr. McLean School is more more of a club group. Mm-hmm. It's just a few few grown men that train over there. Yeah. And uh, uh, not unfortunately, but just how it works out, uh, two of those guys work in emergency health. Mm. And one of them, Neil Stinson, he's actually like one of the head uh, people taking care of the COVID patients at Vanderbilt. Oh, wow. So he can't really, even though he, he's in total PPE for the entire shift, yeah. you're still like in somebody's face that has that. So even more than maybe some other groups, we really can't uh, conscionably get together and train. It's right. Just be, it just wouldn't be cool as far as, you know, regardless of anybody's personal level of fear about the disease, as far as like spreading it around. You know, so what are so the for me? I've mostly just I've been training by myself, and then me and some that we post our workouts, like text each other our workouts to uh-huh. encourage each other and stuff like that. But it's all just been solo training for our group. Okay, is there an actual shutdown order from uh, the Tennessee governor, or is everything kind of voluntary? Um, I think really for us, it's just uh, voluntary. Because we are just a small club group, I'm, we're not really technically a gym because mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it isn't a small business that, right, you know, takes people just from the general public. It's just a few of us guys, and yeah. you know, if somebody was going to come train, it would just be by way of one of the other members. Mm-hmm. So uh, we didn't, yeah, we didn't, no, we didn't feel. I mean, also, really in Nashville. Uh, everybody's really just been pretty cool here. I think as far yeah. as like. Our governor just said, like, hey, everybody really needs to stay home. You know, I think Tennesseans will do that without having to be forced to do it. Right. And that basically has been that basically has been true. Yeah. Uh, but I think that June 1st is when jiu-jitsu and yoga places are allowed to open back up and karate places. Okay. You know, anybody that's doing that kind of close contact training you're technically allowed to open back up at that date now who all is gonna feel comfortable we'll have to see but right i know they are moving forward with some some plans i I think ultimately if you're thinking of wrestle or do striking sparring with somebody at this point you're you're feeling like well you know what i'm a pretty healthy person right i want to get back out here and do this and if i get it then I get it, and I'll fight it off, and that's the risk I'm taking. That's kind of my right. my feeling about people going back to it right now. We are. What about we, what about you? Yeah, we actually did get a shutdown order. So the governor had all gyms, fitness centers, yoga studios, and like they never never called out karate schools or martial arts schools specifically, but they they were all closed down um, until. I think the official opening order was May 26th, which is tomorrow. So we were already planning oh, okay. on op- opening back up tomorrow. And then a group of uh, gyms and martial arts schools actually sued the state and won. So they were allowed, to, I guess technically we were allowed to open on Friday or Saturday. So you could get a couple extra days. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we started... And it was a it was a scramble right at first. So that first week, we were sending out 
like lesson plans to everybody. Hey, work on this, work on that. Send us photos of your workouts. And then we, but by the second week, we were able to have video classes set up. So we could actually have the live classes where we have an instructor and then the people could log in and follow the, follow the workout at home, which, which worked out, has worked out surprisingly well. It's, it's definitely been an adjustment, but it's been really great to see how many people, almost everybody, almost all of our members have been involved in the online classes to one extent or another. Um, some people, some people Man, are, are even well, working. Cool. That's cool to hear. Yeah, some people are even working out more. Like we have one one guy who I think I don't think he's missed an online class, uh, where before he was only coming in two or three times a week. Not only that's huh. you know, it's still a good amount to work out, and but we're in a similar situation now. We have uh, a couple doctors at our place and medical professionals. Actually, uh, Andy Wells, who was on the COVID that's episode right. a couple weeks ago. And right. you know, those guys are dealing with that also. So the times that they've been around the dojo to pick up this or drop off that, they've been in full, you know, full regalia. And even though we can start regular classes, I think them and a lot of the other students are going to continue the video classes, which we're going to keep going, at least for the time being. I think that's cool. I mean, I you know, that's something that... um. Mr. McLean was always really strong on with us uh, in his school was that, you know, you can come to class as much as you want and you're never going to get really good unless you train on your own. Mm. And that means, you know, at our school, it meant going into the dojo by yourself a significant amount of time. Cause that was part of your arrangement with Mr. McLean is that you would go in there and train on your own, right. but also figuring out how to train at your house. Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult for a lot of people. It's kind of easier said than done. You know, I yeah. I always really try to encourage the students, and it is something that I have really noticed. You know, there's a lot of people who are absolutely down to show up and go through a really hard workout, spar, grapple, do everything in class with a group of other guys. But when it comes to developing techniques on their own, they just really have a mental block about it. Mm. So it could be that the online classes have helped some people, you know, break through that as far as that, like they were forced to create a space for themselves to train in the home, yeah, you know, and motivate themselves that way. Cause I think a lot of it is just some people are, they're, you know, definitely one of our big motivators as martial arts people is, um, uh, the whole group element of it that like, well, I don't yeah. want to let the other guys down. I really sure. don't want to go tonight, but Nate probably doesn't want to go either. And he's there after work. <laughs> and so I'm going too. right. And then when you don't have that and it's just you and you're sitting there thinking, man, I, I told myself I was going to do 200 reverse punches every day, but yeah. I just really don't feel like it. Yeah. yeah. It makes it hard. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of helped some people to break through some of that. Yeah. So that's I, cool. I, I think so. You know, I'm one of those people that has, I have a difficult time training at home myself i prefer to go somewhere so get out of the get out of the apartment and go somewhere and work work there uh even when it's working in my living working out of my living room or something it's it's 
I have a difficult time with that because I'm like, oh, let me look this uh, cod up in the book, and then, or uh, let me turn the radio on while I'm working out, and then I get distracted very easily. So I like to go somewhere. It doesn't always have to be the dojo, but it has to be away from my house uh, mm-hmm. to to work out. But you know, I I guess I was lucky because for the most part, I was able to teach the video classes from the dojo. So I'd go into the dojo alone log in and teach the video classes, log off, and then I'd work out on my own for two or three hours at the dojo. So, yeah, I you know, I've been lifting weights and doing running and things like that a lot more at the dojo, trying to get in better better shape uh, during, the, during the lockdown. Yeah, I think that's something that uh... – we'll probably see a lot of from the more dedicated students. I think a lot of people will come back a little stronger and mm-hmm. with a little bit better conditioning, you know, because I know I've done a lot more like burpees and, you know, one of the a guy that I train with has put up a bunch of different, like, you know, 400 and 800 rep body weight, you know, workouts and stuff. So I've been doing mm-hmm. a lot of that. And I definitely feel like I'm in, in better shape than I have been for yeah quite a while as far as skipping rope and everything. Now, interestingly enough, I'm also fatter <laughs> than I've been in a little while because even though I've been working out real hard, I've been at home eating a lot. Right, but, uh, right. Been doing, some, been doing a lot of cooking. <laughs> right. But that's all, that's all right. I'm not, like, egregiously overweight. Right. I'm just um, a little, little chunkier than I might like to be, you know. Right. Well, one of the things that I've been doing more of since I was working from home as well is that that freed up my schedule a little bit to get back into my running routine. And I, mm. I don't, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to you, Ezra, but in, in my neighborhood, there's a whole bunch of people <laughs> that like to run in the middle of the street. <clears throat> no, really? Tell me yeah. more. I had no idea yeah. that, that, and, that was and, the case. How do you feel about that? It, well, and senior citizens also will <laughs> not just power walk, but just regular walk in the, in the middle of the street. Um, I'm not a fan of it, but, (laughs) but during the quarantine, it has gone to a completely new level. I mean, it is beyond anything that I've seen before. I, so first of all, I am not running in the street. I am not going in the street because the only people that are driving in my neighborhood are housewives that are either drunk on white wine or high on prescription <laughs> antidepressants. Those are the only people on the road. I trust nobody driving in this neighborhood. I've seen people, you know, run stoplights, you know, swerve, hit. I, I, I don't get it. How can you trust anybody? But, you know, so I'm not going. To, and the other thing is, People are walking their dogs everywhere, and they don't pick up after them. So you can't even like run in the grass oh, no. because you, you get a, an Adidas full of dog shit. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So, <laughs> but what the, I mean, I, I talked about some of the some extreme things when Andy was on a couple of weeks ago, Doctor Doctor Andy. And, but but I've seen even more since then. The, the interesting thing I like is is you're jogging, and you know the people, of course, are sprinting out into the road. I mean, this one guy, I was jogging. There was nowhere to go. There was cars going. And so I was on the sidewalk. He was pushing a stroller 
on the cell phone that he was holding, it wasn't one of the handles, and, and walking his his pit bull. I think it was a pit bull. It was either a, a pit bull or a um, Rottweiler. I'm not actually sure which is, which is which. And he's pushing the stroller, and there's this parked car. And, I, and I'm, I'm as, I will get as far to the right on the sidewalk as I can get. But I'm not going in the road, and I'm not running through dog shit. And this guy sees me coming and goes, oh, oh, pulls back on this dog leash. This thing rears up like one of those statues of the Civil War uh, generals, you know, <laughs> you know where they're, the thing's back. I, I don't know. Do you guys, do you guys don't have those down there anymore, do you? You had to take them all down, you know, <laughs> but. Oh, I don't know. I think there's still quite there's a still, few of them around. I don't couple. know if they faded in that. So he, I know he, what you're talking about, though. So he pulls his dog back and goes, oh, dragging his, uh, dragging the stroller back, dr- trying to juggle his phone. And I and I just I had to stop. I said, buddy, you got to relax. If you are this paranoid, you got to go home. You just got to yeah. go home. I mean, you got to go home, get in your bathtub, curl up in the fetal position, and cry. You cannot be out in society <laughs> if you're this scared. Yeah, yeah. I also, I talked to the... That's, doc- a, that's, a, tricky, that's a tricky thing. I mean, just, geez, some people... Uh, yeah, I've seen, seen some of that. I mean, for the most part, everybody's just real, real cool and friendly if they're out walking around. But, yeah, you do uh-huh. see a... A few people out in like a full regalia who clearly are about to like have a panic attack. Yes, while they're just out walking around, and it's just like, man, if you if you can't be out and walk around and not feel that upset, I yeah. mean, just probably staying home would be a good choice. You, 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 you know? have to. In fact, you know, and I asked I asked the, the the doctor about this. Basically, there's essentially no cases no reported cases of people contracting it outside like there's one there's one guy in china and i asked him i said well what's the six foot rule and the six foot rule is basically if you're in close close proximity to people for an extended period of time you got to stay six feet apart If, if you are passing somebody for a fraction of a second on the sidewalk i mean i Okay. Look. Yeah, the chances that there is enough virus that builds up in the air around you to where you could get a, a yes. load of it into you good enough to where you would be going to get it has got to be just really minute chances, I would think. Right. I, I mean, look, before the pandemic, okay, I, when I was walking on, running down the sidewalk, I would, I would either wave, I would either nod or say, hey, to the people I passed. Okay, and like you know, <laughs> one out of twelve per people would would do one of those things back. That 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 would be it, you know. Yeah. And you know now it, it's not like it's not like we were, you know, the common greeting was we spit in each other's open mouths as we pass each other on the sidewalk. I, you know, we're not. <laughs> the, the the one that gets. The, the other one that gets me is the the foot draggers. So you're you're going down the sidewalk, you're running down the sidewalk, and they don't feel like getting off the sidewalk. So, but they have to be, I don't know, they have to put on a show or they have to be six feet away. So, what they will do is they'll drag their foot in the grass to make sure that their toes are six feet away from you. Now their head and their body and their torso is in the exact same position, but their toes are reaching out and dragging through the grass. You know, I. God. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I've heard of the. I've heard of the COVID toes. I mean, maybe that is how you get it. 
You know, maybe you get it. <laughs> as long as... Oh, oh man. man, yeah, I feel for you guys up there. I mean, that's a, and that's got to be it's got to be kind of weird too because I mean, you know, down here, everybody is generally just socially. It's expected of you to be pretty friendly to people. Yeah, I mean, to the point where if you're not friendly, if somebody's like, "Hey, how you doing, man?" and you don't say anything, yeah, they might even say something to you. They might get mad, like, yeah. "Oh, you don't." acknowledge you know like acknowledging people is kind of a big deal you know right where up there that's not really so much the case not to mm-hmm. say that pe- people in in my experience in cincinnati are not unfriendly right entirely but if you're walking around you know kind of smiling and saying hi to everybody you get some funny looks right it's not really everybody doesn't necessarily just like talk to each other just on principle <laughs> you know right. so i can imagine with this and then having the masks on that must make it kind of weird and easy for it to get a little bit more confrontational because I noticed that down here some with the masks in the grocery store. Sometimes people really like the fact that they can't see your face and you can't smile at them Mm -hmm. makes them feel freaked out. Like the other guys more is who I've noticed it from just where I have to like really make an effort to like really like nod at them and give them a muffled What's up, you know, from right. underneath my, my mask, you know? Right. Well, you know, we're not, yeah, we, don't, it's a, we don't have the mask order here. So, you know, but a lot of people are wearing We don't have it here either. I, I think, I mean, I've just done it like when I've gone yeah. in the grocery stores and stuff, just because it really seemed like a lot of the, the CDC people really thought that that was a good mm-hmm. idea to slow the spread of it. And so, yeah. I would wear the mask, but I guess the thing that's interesting to me is I, I haven't had the experience of a mask wearer getting mad at me for not wearing one. Yeah, n- neither have I. But I have had a number of experiences, like uh, I went in a Target uh, last week where I saw like a group of people where you could tell that they were really like, we're not wearing no mask. Like huh. they have some whatever their political or worldview is, right? they feel that it's like it's like the people with the masks versus the people without the mask. Right. And that whole thing of on either side of that. Either side. Is, either is, side. I mean, it's like, like, like exactly like, like either everything nowadays. Side. You just have these people who are so polarized on either end of it. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, but you can't expect me to like, be on this you know i don't i don't look at the same fringe website as you so right i'm just doing generally what they like asked us to do like right i don't give a shit i'm not mad at you for not wearing one i don't care but like don't treat me like i'm like a traitor to the united states or something because i've got one on or vice versa right it's just so stupid people need to we have got to chill out with all that. I mean, oh man, it, it's it's just it, it is ridiculous, ridiculous, and it, it is it is both sides, you know. And I don't I don't know oh, so how bad. wearing a mask has has become political. It's so stupid, but you know, was, yeah, it's so dumb. Uh, you know, generally, it seems like when I when I'm out and about, I, I haven't been wearing one, you know. But I'm not going like when I'm at the grocery store, I don't go lick the produce. It's you know, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I'm glad you stopped doing that. That one time, I really <laughs> thought that was pretty gross when you did that. So I think that that's, I'm well, that's, glad you were listening to me and that was a tasty know, realized look- that that's kind of a little bit socially inappropriate. It was a tasty looking cantaloupe. What can you do? But it, it, se- 
<laughs> it seems like the people that are just acting reasonably are me, uh, young, <laughs> young fat white guys, all black people, and junior high school age girls. I mean, it seems like that, 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 that's just being reasonable. That's those <laughs> those four groups are. I, I think. I think we're going to wind up taking over society because everybody else is either completely, you know, completely yeah. panicked, or they're all going to catch it because they're, you know, they're having uh, a COVID pool party. Yeah, they're having them in downtown Nashville. I have I have seen some of that, but. It right. seems like the cases have stayed pretty low here, and it's and it's okay. So maybe yeah. it's okay. You know, yeah. I mean, I right. I just like personally, I don't have like some desired outcome from any of this. That like, oh, I want it to get way worse because then Trump will look bad, or <laughs> you know, I want it to get better so that I, you know what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. don't have any. It's like I just want. I just hope for the best outcome for every for America. Yeah. Yes, I'm rooting for America, not against yes some group or something. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm rooting yes. for America, and I mean I think that it's good that there's people who want to be real careful. Yes. I also think there's good. It's good that there's people who want to be careful about our damn civil liberties because some right. people just want to give everything up and you know just allow the government to tell them that they can just can't leave their house. Right. Because they think that's going to keep them from getting this disease, which, although it can be really bad for some people, is not yes. anything like a lot of stuff we've seen in the 20th century, like freaking polio. Yeah, man. Jesus. I mean, it crippled so many people. I have, like, friends whose parents were crippled by yeah. that. Yeah. Well, well you look, know? I mean, I, I don't. Yeah. So. <laughs> just like just like we've talked about before for martial arts, we just I, you and I just like would like everybody to act reasonably. You know, you know that's that's not going to get me a bunch of clicks. You know, for the podcast. You know, yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah. I need to have you know, will, you know, will you know? Can Bruce Lee beat uh, Ronda Rousey in a in a lightsaber fight? You know, that will get me clicks. But yeah, everybody that's just right. that's right. Everybody just act reasonably won't. But it's different for everybody's different situation. Look, I'm a single guy. I live alone. I've been working from home. I've been teaching video classes from the karate school. The only people I've interacted with are a couple of the other co-owners of the karate school, just sort of in passing when we're both in there working on business stuff. And those those two guys are two of the, the fittest 60-year-old guys you've ever met. That's right. <laughs> you know, if I was, if you know, if I, you know, the wheels fell off the wagon and I had to go back to Illinois and live in my elderly grandma's basement, it would be different because she has breathing issues, and I would I would take more precautions. But and you're in a different situation because you have the family at home. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it really is. That's I have to say that's something that is um, it's a tricky situation for a lot of people, you know, because it's yeah. uh, I personally I would like nothing better than to go spar right now yeah. <laughs> in whatever modality. I would yeah. love to, and I'm not particularly afraid of it i honestly feel like especially like if i was single i would take it yeah. as a little bit of a patriotic duty to get out there and get uh back into it you know yeah. what i mean just because i feel like as bad as this is and it's important that we took have taken it seriously and stayed home you know for time period and stuff like mm -hmm. that i also think that 
the damage of us all just hiding in our houses, yeah, I think that's a really damaging thing for people too, and it's going to result in a lot of loss of life also. Yeah. Um, and my dad is 73, and he's got mm. COPD. My mm. mom, who I work with, and my I have a, we have a family landscaping business. Uh, she's 70, and she's actually in really really good shape, but still, you know, I don't want her to get it. Mm. And then I have wife and daughter, and seems like kids don't get it very much but you hear about this syndrome thing that some of the kids get yeah. and that's upsetting yeah so it's just very tricky it's just very tricky i don't and i don't know that i mean i think ultimately we just all have to be very tolerant of each other and you know i think i think that is important like in martial arts schools is and not that i've seen i haven't seen anything to the contrary of this but as we start to reopen be cool to people about yeah. if they don't feel comfortable coming or something like that because you don't know why that might be. I think especially for guys, you know, if you're a single guy, you don't have family, you're not around, don't have any older family members around you. Right. It can kind of seem a little like in the back in the day. And I mean, I would be guilty of this too. I would kind of be like, Oh yeah, well, you know, John's being kind of a pussy about it or whatever. But it's like, well, you don't really know what all John's going on, got going on. And, you yeah. know, who knows? Maybe he's got – maybe John's got an autoimmune disorder, like, you know, and you don't know about it. You know, he never mm-hmm. shared that with you. And so he doesn't feel comfortable doing it because he's on some drug that he thinks might make him get sick or something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we just got to all be cool. I think that's a – I think it's a really cool way you guys are doing it. I, I also have to say, I think – I mean, man, it's a really cool time to be a karate student because we've got so much, so many different options and there's so many different parts of karate that you can interface with Yeah, that it's like, man, if you're, if you're at home and you can't spar anybody, you can develop a technique. Yeah. And if you work on that, man, when you get back in the dojo, you're going to have a blast using that technique because right. you've really spent that, you know, I mean, and so that's kind of a, yeah. a really cool thing with, with karate because we have so many, we've got kata, we've got waza, we've got, all the different, you know, ways you can develop striking, like bag work, mm-hmm. makawara, you know, conditioning stuff like skipping rope and, you know, doubling the bag and all that kind of stuff. So it's really cool because, you know, say like, I mean, that's one of the frustrating things with jujitsu. You can work on your conditioning and everything like that or judo. Uh, well, judo, I guess you've got some rubber band work and stuff like yeah, that you can do. Yeah. But it's really, not the, it's really not the same. You know, no. like with no, karate, we actually have like significant opportunities to improve. Yeah. Uh, during this period, nobody has an excuse to not improve. You right. definitely, it, people could definitely understand where you don't want to go in the dojo <laughs> for sure, for a variety yeah. of reasons. But you definitely have opportunities to improve. And then for you guys, where you're like really reaching the general public, to be able to also offer some online stuff that they mm-hmm. could do. I mean, it's it's just it's really cool. So yeah. I think that's really cool. I'm yeah. happy about that. I mean, I think just like anything like this, I man. There's consequences to everything. And if you have the right attitude, you know, it's like when life gives you lemons, make lemonade or yeah, any man. variety of sayings like that, you know? Right. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's that's for sure. Uh, and it, it has been a good opportunity, like especially the video training. I've made a few videos of, of the katas to share with the people at the dojo, so that's been good. This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on The Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. 
We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. The other thing that I've been doing since I have been at home most of the time is catching up on on some movies. And uh, I've, been ah. catch- I've been catching up on a lot of Jackie Chan movies, but also a lot of samurai movies. So uh. one of my one of my students, my sword student, uh, Millen, gave me a subscription to the Criterion Channel for my birthday. And Man, that, what a student! Yeah, it was great. It was a great because it has a ton That's of. A good it really was, and but it's great because it has a ton of old samurai movies on it. You know, uh, Akira Kurosawa, Toshiro uh, Mifune, and I've been watching a bunch of those just kind of on my own. And then you reminded me. In fact, <clears throat> you brought up this a while ago, and it was such a good idea that I thought we already discussed it. Which was yeah. to, <laughs> which was to talk about Yo, uh, Yojimbo. Yes. Yeah, and uh, Yojimbo it's is one of the all-time all-time greats. It is one of, in fact, it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. You know, top top two or top three favorite movies of all time. I just, I just love it, and uh, you know, obviously it has its, its sequel, which was Sanjuro. And then there's a couple semi sequels later on, but it all, the other big thing is it ins- it inspired or I don't want to say it inspired the American remake of that was the Fistful of Dollars by Clint Eastwood, which spawned the whole Dollars trilogy. You know, Fistful of Dollars, a few dollars more, and then yep. then what might be my favorite movie of all time: The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah, yeah. So this was a, this is a very yeah, influential they, you know, movie. I thought that was it was interesting. I was doing a little bit of reading. There actually was uh, there was a lawsuit about it. Kurosawa, I don't know. I wasn't able to find out too much about it, but Kurosawa did feel, or the production company did feel, that they had kind of directly pirated that for that yeah. first uh, fistful of dollars, which well, which I didn't I didn't I wasn't aware of that. I had always heard that those were connected. And that definitely, like, as time went on, they sort of just bounced off each other. It's really not real clear who kind of came up with, you know what I'm saying? Like, say, as it went on, I guess they just sort of saw that, like, hey, this really has kind of worked for both of us, that we can kind of, like, they had the Magnificent Seven and the Seven Samurai. They had the, you know, so they just kind of quit giving each other a hard time about it legally. I don't yeah. even know how a Japanese person would sue an American person over something like that in the 1960s. But. Right. Well, well, first of all, clearly, uh, 
fistful of dollars was clearly an American, was clearly a, I guess maybe not American, Italian, okay, but it was clearly a remake of Yojimbo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's basically a shot for shot remake in the Old West instead of, instead of uh, Samurai Times. And it, yeah. looks, it looks like there was a lawsuit that prevented Fistful of Dollars from being released. So Yojimbo was released in 1961, oh, okay. Fistful of Dollars in 64, but then it was settled out of court. So you know somebody oh, got okay. somebody got paid somewhere, but then the sequels for Fistful of Dollars obviously went in a different direction. You know, even though this character sure. was established in that movie that was based on the uh, you know the Yojimbo character, the Yojimbo character, or actually he gave his name as Kuwabatake. Mulberry Field. Yeah, yeah. Kuwabatake Sanjuro. You know, in the in the first yeah. movie, and then the, the sequel, he basically just looks out at the he looks out the window, and whatever he sees, that's his name. And then the second movie, it's uh, yeah. Subaki Sanjuro. Now Sanjuro, Sanjuro means thirty year old. So I uh, actually, since my it was my fortieth birthday, I got a present for this. I guess that makes me Yanjiro, or about forty years old. <laughs> uh. Whatever forty-year-old karate bachelor is in I, uh, in Japanese, I think that's it. Uh, Yanjuro karate. Uh, what is nerd? Hold on, I gotta think. I'll, I'll trim this part out. <laughs> Budo. Budo. What's nerd? Budo otaku. Ah, okay. Yanjuro Budo otaku. Let me try that again. <laughs> One more time. Let me try that again. That was great, Nate. That sounded like a Samurai movie. That was awesome. There we go. I don't know any Japanese, but I can definitely make noises like this. So does so, what did you think about the movie itself, man? <clears throat> oh man, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I, I uh, the part where he says uh, "coffin maker," two coffins. <laughs> I love that part <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's great. I really, I enjoyed it. I, enjoyed it. I went on and you know read some different background about it. Mm. I knew that um that Kurosawa had you know based some of it on like noir kind of like detectives fiction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there were online the couple places where i looked they were saying that it was uh like dashiell hammett i don't know if you're familiar with dashiell hammett i know mr a rod would definitely know about dashiell hammett he always uh he always liked the mysteries and stuff like that right. raymond chandler and all that uh, but dashiell hammett was like kind of like a one of the first of those sort of noir mystery writers mm-hmm. and he had a character called the continental op like the continental operator. Okay. And he was kind of like that type of a character where he didn't really, he shares a lot of characteristics with Yojimbo that he uh, is sort of this guy that kind of shows up. He's sort of disgruntled, Hmm. you know, guy, maybe not entirely a good person, but when he sees something really bad, it kind of sets him off. Like mm. in your Jimbo, the part with the, the guy's wife, where they're treating the guy's wife bad. And, right. you know, definitely the Toshiro Mifune character 
at the beginning of it seems like a very um, jaded and he's a killer, you know, and all that kind of stuff. He's not really right. like a good person, but ultimately deep down when he sees real evil, someone being negated like that, someone, mm. you know, hurting a woman, then that inspires him to, yeah. you know, fight back against that. And you see that in the, the Clint Eastwood movies as well. Where right. it's like the guy, you know, the character is not like a good person per se, right? But he retains enough sort of essential humanity that he's not going to just stand by, you know, and let something really evil happen, right? He so, he, he has his own, he has a sense of right and wrong, even though he's, you know, he's killing people or shirt, uh, you know, he's shooting, killing these guys, or he's manipulating these these gangsters but he has still had this has this sense of of right and wrong and that he that he tries to follow that's right that's right what is it so what do you think about the uh sword fighting and stuff did you kind of slow any of that down and go back and watch any of those scenes repeatedly did you see things in there that you you well, know, like, do you know the names of techniques that are occurring when he's fighting the guys? Is no. It, or is it even... I'm not advanced enough in S.W.O.R.D. to, to know the different names of different techniques and things like that. But but what I, I will say that okay. this... So this movie, earlier Japanese movies were what you call... I guess they called the Chanbara movies, which were more mm-hmm. like classical tales that they filmed and it was it was much more stylized where they had these long elaborate sword fights and you know i i would compare it to that sort of 60s and 70s uh chinese uh chinese kung fu movies where the people are flying and doing all these crazy animal things and and it's sort of super stylized and the earlier Japanese films were like this as well. So we're ta- now talking about the 20s, 30s, 40s. And what Kurosawa started doing with his movies was making the sword fighting much more uh, realistic. Like, for example, in, in Rashomon. So Rashomon is one of his earlier movies. It's there is this. Yeah, uh, I think it might be like one of the very first. Right. So there's the the there's this uh, a bandit and a young woman and this young woman's fiance, and and the story is told. The movie's told from these four different perspectives: one from the bandit's perspective, one from the woman, one from the man, and then one from the spirits who, you know. who tell it, show it how it really happened. And it sees all this different manipulation. Well, you know, in there and then also in Seven Samurai, the fighting is, what do you want to say? It's brutal. It's it's realistic. It's not glamorous and yeah. and elegant. It You know, it's down and dirty and in the mud. And I think this was another... Yeah, you know, it, it's this movie continues to keep get grittier. I mean, the, the, it's very nasty sword fighting. The guys are being stabbed and killed and murdered. It's not very graceful, or there's nothing really beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of and most of them can't fight very well. Mm-hmm. You know, which is all that is a lot more, a lot more realistic. I would have to imagine 
that the duration of the combat being so short would have to be pretty realistic. If somebody was actually good at that type of swordsmanship, I mean, you figure like a, a real gunfight, like if somebody who's a, a real gunfighter that works for like, you know, the FBI or CIA or something like that right. gets into a gunfight, mm, that usually doesn't last very long. You're talking right. probably 30, 20, 30 seconds max. They're right. moving to cover and then somebody's getting shot. Right. You know, so you would figure that that, you know, and I mean, I guess, I guess one of the things I think about a lot when I watch these movies is, uh, the, who is the audience that's watching this? Well, a lot of these people had seen a lot of really rough stuff, probably, you know, mm. even if they hadn't been soldiers in World War II, they lived in a war-torn country. And I can't imagine that was like, you know, I mean, you figure that a lot of these themes of mafia, uh, rape you know that are in so many of these japanese movies i mean there's a reason why those are those are such predominant themes because i mean that was i know like my aunt uh is japanese Mm. and she grew up in uh kyoto Uh, she was in an orphanage during the war uh but her brother her mom married a korean businessman which put them on the out with normal japanese society because uh you know he's a you know, foreigner. And so her brother, AG couldn't get a uh, job through the normal uh, Japanese social channels. He was outside of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, generally speaking, that's where the Yakuza, that's how they, um, you know, fill their ranks is right. people who are outside the normal social hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And I guess to some extent, that is even sort of an accepted thing or at least was at one time that like, you know, these are the people that, that do this. This is our organized crime and that's right. the ranks that they pull from. So that was where he, and that's what he ended up doing. And I know she said uh, that that was really big after mm-hmm. the war, the mm-hmm. mafia, yeah. I mean, because the black market and everything. And, you know, also, you know, there was a way to, kind of go around probably some of our governance of them while we were during the occupation. You know, if you needed something that we weren't going to let you have, you could find it that way. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy, Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 1 2830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www.a-tac.net. Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese.
So what you're talking about here, this goes uh, along really well with a, with the documentary, which is Mifune, The Last Samurai. Now, uh, I saw this on Netflix. It might still be on Netflix. I, I watched this on Netflix last year sometime. But it's also on the Criterion channel, which I have, I have a monthly subscription to now. And, and it talks, I mean, even... Uh, Mifune himself. I mean, he was just like everybody else. He was in the, the war, and his job was to train train people that were going to fly on uh, kamikaze missions. Oh my God! Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, and it. Oh, re- I really, want, I really want to see that. It, it really affected him, and I, I think that was a you know, maybe a big part of the reason he could play the types of characters that he could play, where he had this, you know, this, I was obviously very emotional to train these people and then send them away where they're going to die for sure. There's no doubt about it. It's not like, well, hope you do well in battle. It's, it's sayonara. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they also talked about the the difficulties after the war and ha- and how Kurosawa and Mifune were were struggled with that and how they had to get by. So I think you're onto something there, Ezra. Yeah, I mean, just what a time, you know. And and you think about, I mean, I guess it really kind of, you know, I mean, can kind of relate to some of what we were talking about earlier. Just how it's like, you know, we're we're in a wild time in the history of our country where we're dealing with some things that, you know, it's not things that people haven't dealt with before, but we're dealing with them in a different context with the whole uh, digital age that like, you know, we live at a time where everybody's got the internet. So you kind of can get people, you can ask people to just sort of stay home. So it's sort of weird, you know, Mm. but man, that it is just not shit compared to what so many other people (laughs) are, have gone through and are going through right now. Right. You know, we're like, I mean, they don't, you know, they don't have, you know, food to eat or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, you think about like when, how much of that country was just totally decimated. Right. You know, I guess it's one of those things where it's like for those people who are being really negative and saying, Oh, this is just the end of everything. And this is the end of the world and all this kind of stuff. Mm. It's just like, man, try, I mean, look at England, look at Germany, look at Japan. Yes what they went through in the 20th century and look at them now. I mean, it's like, yeah, we're going through a tough time and it might get tougher. Right. But man, we, we can get through that. You know I mean? This right. is not yeah. I mean, so bad yeah. as some people would make it out. In, in, you know, when you look at how many people died and just the amount of destruction. Not at in all. Some like, of those countries. You I know? mean, according to all the commercials I'm seeing on TV, you know, you're a hero if you stay home, lay on your couch and get fat. You know, compared to <laughs> think about what you had to do to become yeah. a hero in World War II. You know, on on either side. Yeah, you no know, kidding. It, it was no kidding. it was a little bit more risky, just a little bit, a little bit more dangerous. You know, those people at the end of that didn't have a, a couch to lay on; they had to rebuild from from nothing. Yeah. One of the things that I really yeah. like about this movie is a more realistic portrayal of the violence the the sword fighting but also of the character where he's not invincible um 
one of yeah, that's true. Yeah, they catch him and beat the hell out of him because he doesn't. They get his sword away from him with his without his sword. He's nothing. Says the right. big guy. Right, and and that is something that's one thing I can't get into a lot of martial arts movies, which is because okay, here's this person, he's invincible, and he's just going to beat up you know a dozen hundred guys just over and over and over again, and then then that's it. Where oh yeah, it's so it's so ridiculous. It's true in all kinds of different movie violence. I mean, think about like uh, Training Day. Or like one of those movies where these guys are like, they're full power punching each other in the head with like power shots mm. over and over and over again. And everybody's just like, fine. And then as soon as they get, it's like, man, you guys would have brain damage, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's very, yeah, it is a lot. Yeah, it's a little less than realistic, you know? Right. And, um you know, and the other the other thing that I really don't like about, especially now, you know, look, I enjoy the Marvel superhero movies. I like them; they're they're fun, and you know, it's great when you watch a Rocky movie because you think he's always going to win or come out on top somehow. But <laughs> but you know, a lot of the the movies now where people are doing martial arts, it's they're they're an assassin. Okay, they've they they're a hitman, and they've been a hitman and. For all these years, and now they're going to turn and be a, a good hitman. I, I I don't get it, you know. Yeah, it, you know. Okay, you know. I, at least the character, at least the guy in Yojimbo had. Yeah, he was going to do some questionable things, but you know, think about that. Like I think about that every time. I can't watch the movies where people are. Or hitman, or you become an assassin. Uh, what's there is um they're, they're they're coming out all the time. Where do people really get into this? I mean, think about that. What was it? Angelina Jolie was in that one a few years ago. Um, can't think of the name. Yeah, they all they all run together. For they me, all, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah where well, you're trying to buy Ben Affleck as like a hitman. It's like right. the guy. I mean, you look at the the, the guy's hands. Like he's never done anything. Right. He's never done any. He's never or, done any any real work whatsoever. Or, or even yeah. the even the you know? Keanu, the the new <laughs> he definitely has not been training to be a hitman. You know. <laughs> right. Or even the new Keanu Reeves movie. Um, what what is that? The not Jack Reacher, but um. Oh, you're talking about John Wick now? Yeah, I will John say that about Keanu Reeves. At least he can really shoot. He can really shoot. I've seen a few training videos of him doing yeah. those uh, three gun. Um, ISPCA events like competitions where you shoot a rifle and a or a carbine and a shotgun and a pistol. Right. So he can actually at least shoot. Of course, the movies themselves are ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Okay, but uh, he actually personally can, okay. can do it. So that's cool. I, I agree. And, and in that movie, there is some good action. I mean, there's some times where he's working some good judo throws and stuff. So the action's fun and things. But any, what I'm trying to say is anytime I watch these movies where everybody is an assassin and they're the hero of the movie, I just think about all the horrible things that you would have had to do. I mean, even uh, Kill Bill. You know, I love Tarantino, but I just get, I get kind of de- depressed. I'm like, God damn, that guy, you know, got 100000 bucks and he went out and killed some women and children and... You know, or, you know, took out this leader, this millionaire. It's like, just, it kind of bums me out. I can't get into it. Yeah, it's just so silly and improbable, you know. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, some, you know, I mean, there's a lot of those movies that were in the 70s that were a lot cooler about a lot of that stuff. And a bunch of them are on that. I mean, we should, Chop Talk should get a little sponsorship from the Criterion <laughs> Collection because we're giving them so many shout-outs. Right. But they've got a lot of all the great uh, gangster movies on there, too. Like, they have, like, the Friends of Eddie Coyle and all those, like, you know, movies that are kind of like, if you hadn't, if you don't know what I'm talking about, they're going to be similar to, like, the French Connection, mm-hmm. where it's really, really shot, really pretty, and they have really, really cool sound. The sound, it sounds real. They have a lot of that on there, and those usually tend to be a little better like this, too, where they're more... I mean, I bet a lot of it is just who's making the movies, you know? Mm. If the person making the movies lived through a damn war or, you know, whatever, then it's probably going to be better. And if the person's just being uh, fantastic about the whole thing, then that's what you're going to get. I guess some people like that better because they don't they don't like movies that remind them of real violence. Yeah, you know. Well, that, that I is, tend to be more on your end of it, though. But you know that that's the other thing, though. I, I I do I really like Jackie Chan movies where it's it is it is so over the top, but the, the stunts, the moves, the things those guys doing are so creative and so acrobatic and so amazing. But yeah, a, for sure, that's but, true. Yeah. But there's a sense of humor to it and it's you know it's sort of they're they're having fun you're having fun and it's it's enjoyable um another great they're really doc- putting it on the line for you to be able to watch it too because those guys get hurt really bad i could think of specifically jackie chan and uh tom cruise whatever anybody thinks about him both of those guys have been like catastrophically injured doing yeah. all that stuff themselves which is like I mean, that's a hell of a thing, you know, because, I mean, either one of those guys, Jackie Chan could still be very famous and have done about a tenth of those stunts. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have to do all that. So there is a certain level of, like, respect that goes into that. That It's like, no, that is actually Jackie Chan on a rope hanging from a helicopter. Right. (laughs) That really is happening right there, you know? And that's another thing that separates that stuff. And that's why I'm more interested in going back and watching these old movies, even though they're from the 70s or 80s or 60s in the case of uh, Yojimbo. You know, the CGI is just too much. I mean, you're watching Iron Man fly around. That's great. But there's, are you as engaged as when you see you know, Jackie Chan jump on a, a pole six stories up in a mall and slide all the way down because there's no mm-hmm. CG. That's him. And, yes. you know, he could really die. And and so that's it's more engaging no matter, you know, how big the Avengers battle final battle is. It's all CG. It's all fake. That's true. That's true. Yep. None of them. They're not really doing any of it. And it is very exciting when you see something – pulled off well like that i noticed that recently i don't know if you've watched that ozark show on netflix it's okay a little bit silly it's about jason bateman and his wife are are basically laundering money he's an accountant he's gotten into laundering money for a drug cartel Mm -hmm. and there's about three seasons of it it's kind of the same different stuff over and over again but this most recent season uh jason bateman's wife is played by laura linney and they introduce her brother into it who is uh kind of wild guy that's bipolar and they don't say where he learned how to fight but man it was just so exciting to me because there's this scene at the beginning as they're introducing the character where he's like a he's like a substitute teacher mm. and he looks out the window he sees something going on i think it's a, like a garbage truck has just 
dumped a bunch of garbage out on the street by accident and then they're not going back to get it. Yeah. And man, this guy runs out there and uh, gets in a fight with the garbage guy. <laughs> and it's awesome, man. I mean, he tosses this guy on the ground and knee mounts him and just beats the shit out of him. Like, it is probable. It is like, oh, wow. That guy, when I was watching him, was like, hey, that guy actually, like, knows how to fight. Mm. Which then, when you extrapolate that, that means, like, whoever was actually doing the choreography there knows something about real fighting. Like, this is how you actually, yes. one of the ways that you can actually beat somebody up is like this. You throw them on the ground, knee mount them where they can't go anywhere, and then you beat on them. Like, that's a real way. <laughs> it's a real, and it's exciting because so much of what you see is just so sort of improbable. But right. then when you see something like that where it's like, wow, that looks like, you know, that could really happen like that. Yeah. And I don't know that much about sword fighting. But in a lot of those Kurosawa movies, now it gets thinner when you get into the stuff that's more the um, the anime derived ones, like yeah. Zetoichi, and I've watched a bunch of those when I was younger, and a whole lot of the Lone Wolf and Cub ones. Yeah, and they're really cool too. But they get a lot more like it's more cartoonish. Like it's kind of like Kill Bill, where yeah. somebody gets a katana right in the middle of their head, and then blood sprays out everywhere. Right, you know that type of thing. Uh, but the Kurosawa ones, it's like, it'll, you know, usually it's just somebody takes a real decisive action. It's just like, it right. happens real fast. And like in Yojimbo, there, there was this scene where, you know, part of the shot of the fight is the one guy's arm coming off. Right. You know, and like the arm comes off and it's laying there. And I mean, that's something that, I mean, I've heard anecdotes about that. I know there, there was a, there's a Shotokan guy. And I can't remember what his name is. He's a he was a big dude, big barrel chested guy, kind of a pot belly, and he was uh, real highly thought of in Shotokan. He was a, a tough guy, mm-hmm. and he was a representative in uh, France. But he had been in the war, and there was an anecdote about him that apparently after the war he got into it with some GIs and cut a guy's arm off. Like mm. that. that. That's not a. That's not. Someone losing an arm is not entirely that that could happen. Yeah. If somebody has a katana and they actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. Now there's lots of Japanese people that probably that carried katanas in World War II and did not know what they were doing. Sure. Because they're just people, just like anybody else. You know. Right. <laughs> Same right. thing with us. I'm sure there's loads of people in the military right now that would have a real hard time hitting the broadside of a barn in an actual <laughs> gunfight. <laughs> right. But some of these guys really did train with this stuff and could actually do it to people, you right. know? So it's just such a wild thing. Hey everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karate cop. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. Yes, and you mentioned, you also talked about the real fighting. And for me, when I'm watching when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, and I think you and I talked about this when we reviewed Karate Kid and also the Netflix Marvel series, Iron Fist and some of those mm-hmm. others, mm-hmm. Uh, Daredevil, is uh, 
you can tell when the actor can really do martial arts. I yeah. I remember watching one of my what might be my favorite not movie, my favorite film of all time, Black Dynamite. When when this guy comes around the around the corner and Black Dynamite hook heel kicks this guy in the head and the and the foot goes through the pallet and it's like, "Whoa." You know, <laughs> you know, Michael Jai. That's the first I didn't know. I didn't know who Michael Jai White was. That he had this karate background or anything like that. But you see him do that uh-huh. hook heel kick, and you're like, "Oh, you know, Black Dynamite can fight." You know, that's that's for yeah, real. Yeah, Michael Jai White is an actual uh, Kirkshin black belt. Yeah, legitimate. Legitimately, I yes. would imagine. He, yeah, he, I mean, he, I don't know exactly how good he is, but he's pretty good. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> Damn sight, be- damn sight better karate than most people that you see on uh, TV. Right, you know? <laughs> definitely, and, and that's that. That's a big difference between that and something like Daredevil. Daredevil, where the guy, you know, the actor clearly goes out of frame, and then the stuntman comes in with his mask on. Now they do a fantastic fight scene, but I think that stuntman ought to get a little credit, you know, or yeah. Or Iron Fist, where they tried to have the the blonde haired white guy who you know just started learning martial arts after he landed that that role for that movie. I'm sorry, after he landed the role for that show. I mean, you can tell you can tell the difference, and I, yeah, you definitely can tell the difference. <laughs> and it's nice to see that. Now, another thing that I liked about uh, Yojimbo and the sequel Sanjuro. Um, was he had to outwit these people, so he had to come to get come come up with a plan to 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 beat these gangsters, and sometimes that plan went mm-hmm. right, sometimes it went wrong. Um, even in the final fight, he had the the main guy had a gun. Okay, so how's a samurai with a sword going to beat this gun? And he had to come up with a plan. He had to use his intellect to do it. He just didn't you know, plow through a bunch of people because he's an un- unstoppable Superman. Yeah. His samurai sword doesn't always work. He's still just, ultimately he's a man, yeah. you know, and that's similar in the, um, in the, in the Westerns too. Yes. They don't have the guy be, he isn't really like a superhero per se. He's an actual, actual tough guy, you know? Right. Um, and, yeah, and that, which is a cool, which is a cool thing. And, and that's something else about the appeal of a movie like Die Hard, where this guy isn't perfect. You know, he 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 has yeah. his flaws, but then comes out on top. And that's that really is a big part of the popularity of that sort of movie. Yeah, it's very relatable because it makes it you could a lot more easily picture yourself being that guy then you can picture yourself being batman yes yeah you know and i think that's a lot of the the appeal of it you know i know when i, I was a uh <laughs> great life choices here i was a film minor in uh college oh really like a business minor <laughs> yeah but i was okay. a film minor at mtsu which you know that ain't any kind of real big shakes but I did read a lot about movies and stuff back then, and I remember the uh, when we were talking about movie genres, which you know nowadays movie genres are way more kind of mixed up, like they're a combination of a lot of different genres. But originally, the whole genre system in the film industry 
you have two main genres. So you've got genre of order and the genre of integration. So all these movies like a Westerns, Chanbara pictures like this, mm-hmm. uh, war movies usually, they're all genre of order. And what okay. sort of typify, typifies that, if that's, I, think, I don't know if that's really a word, uh, what's typical of that is it's going to be a man or sometimes a woman who is restoring the social balance by killing people, eliminating bad actors, mm. by eliminating evil. So this is like 100% in that genre. Right. Uh, the social order is restored by him killing the bad people who are preying on society. And then the order of integration ones, those are, you know, generally back in the day were thought of as being like female pictures, like women that pictures that were made specifically for women mm-hmm. back in those days. And those are more like uh, in the like a family melodrama where uh what integration means in that context is they're saying like the the family or the social group has somehow got disconnected Mm -hmm. from each other and then the protagonist reorders that and is able to like get uh people back together like basically restore the family by you know cooperating getting people getting people back so it might be so like for example they they so, for example, Medea has to come back and get her family uh, in order. <laughs> yeah, I I think that those might could kind of go into that. But, of course, anything from nowadays, if you want to pick one that is really specifically that, we'd have to, like, go back and find a movie from way back because nobody really makes straight genre pictures anymore because like Medea probably had to whoop somebody's ass that's true she did in order to do all that so it would be like a combo Ah, because Medea she's bringing people together but she also had to probably whoop some ass (laughs) if I if I know my Tyler Perry movies Medea usually had to yes whoop somebody not usually always (laughs) That's right. That's but, right. <laughs> but but that's another thing that they talked about in that in the documentary in the Mifuni uh, documentary was that uh, Toho, the studio that was making the uh, the Kurosawa movies and also the Godzilla movies, mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. really weren't making these movies for women. These were movies for the most part for men, and even the a lot of the actresses that were in them had to go to other studios to find more of these integration, what you're calling integration dramas where roles were written mm-hmm. for women. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and there's some of these, like the, they have a number of these lady Snowblood. Have you seen any of those? Yeah, you know what? Know Criterion has those. Yes. That's another one that I watched. I just watched that Friday oh, night. Okay, cool. So lady Snowblood, that's like, that is a straight out, order of integration she's not like getting back with her family or anything i don't think i'm pretty sure she's just killing, killing everybody. the people yes that, that raped her and you know right and man i mean that's an interesting you do not see those themes depicted uh at that time in american cinema i will you know what I, I mean it is rough 
<laughs> you know, I, I didn't really intend to go the exploitation route here with today's discussion, but another couple sure. movies that I watched were, uh, were uh, Foxy Brown and Coffee, where that is what happened. Oh, okay. Um, again, oh, with Pam Greer. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, you, you know, they're, I guess, what you call cult classics. They're not m- major box office I don't know that Lady Snowblood was either. I think Yojimbo was very successful around the world. Um, yeah, because Kurosawa was thought of, you know, like like John Ford or somebody like that. He was one of those kind of guys. Where then those those ones like Lady Snowblood and all that, they would be more like that's more like a more like what we would call a black exploitation movie over here. You know those type of crime movies were more like a lower lower budget and for a more specific audience. Right, right. Um, and yeah, I, I think that uh, I mean Kurosawa was okay. So for example, I mean The Seven Samurai is just it's an incredible movie. I mean it's it's usually in the top one or two or at the lowest five best movies of all time. And yeah, of all time, yeah, <laughs> of, of of any country, and deservedly. I mean, it, it's amazing. And yeah. you know, I saw that first, and then when I went back to watch uh, the Magnificent Seven, the American remake, I, I, you know, as I got to be honest, I was disappointed. It it felt like the Cliff's Notes version. Of Seven Samurai. I mean, it just wasn't even close, even though in the U.S. it's considered a major classic and one of the best westerns of all time. I yeah, don't. It's good. I mean, it's a really good movie, but it's not as good as Seven Samurai. No, it's not. Yeah. You're right. It does have Charles Brunson in it, though. It... Charles Brunson, I have to give a shout out to Seven Samurai that when they go to, because this is something that, speaking of actors that don't know how to do shit today and have no <laughs> physical acumen for anything, yeah, the scene where they show up in Seven Samurai and Charles Bronson is splitting wood. Hmm. Oh, man. I mean, the guy actually knows how to split wood. Not only does he know how to split wood, he's doing it with an American broad act. Oh. I mean, it's really like, I mean, this is a real man. I mean, Charles Bronson, was a uh, Lithuanian uh, immigrant coal miner, children of coal miners, and was, was a coal miner in Pennsylvania. Is that right? And went to World War II. Yeah, he went to World War II, and he was on the, I think he was a turret gunner, a ball turret gunner. Whoa. On bombers. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah. These people were not, you know what I'm saying, Toshiro Mifune's heart did not pump any Kool-Aid. Yeah. That's, a, that's what you call a, that's what you call a, real man yeah you know what i mean these people had really been through some real shit and like you know had to make a fire and cook one food and kill somebody and yeah you know it's just a very different it's pick on ben affleck but so uh, what well, are you saying that when uh captain <laughs> that in in avengers when captain america pulled that log apart with his hands that's not the proper uh wood cutting technique Yes, I'm saying that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I was, you know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to ruin Captain America for you anymore. Yeah. But I just thought it was really cool that Charles Bronson could actually split wood that, in the Magnificent Seven. I really appreciated that a lot. All right, that that's a good point. Um, 
<laughs> now, I also I watched the. So you brought up uh, Zatoichi, which was the the blind swordsman. Mm-hmm. Now, I never, I've never seen any Zatoichi movies, but I love Yojimbo and I love Sanjuro, and I had heard about this sequel, uh, Zatoichi meets Yojimbo. And it was mm, yeah yeah that's good I've seen that one it's been a while I'm not gonna say that it's good <laughs> it's not as it's not as good as it's not as good as, as those as like Yojimbo and Sanjuro but you're taking a character from a noir movie and putting them into something that really is more kind of like a live action anime yeah. so you kind of gotta. You gotta like uh, you can't judge it by the same standard, I guess. That's well, would, you know that's the problem, and I went into it trying to judge it by the same standard, thinking I'm gonna get I'm gonna get more of uh, the Yojimbo or the Sanjiro character, and it's like in this movie he's kind of like a drunk old grandpa. And in fact, I looked, I'm like, how yeah. much later did they make this movie? And Yojimbo came out in '61. <laughs> And Zatoichi Michijimbo comes out in 70. That's nine years. He looks 40 years older and fatter. And he'd probably been, he'd probably been partying real hard. Yeah. According them to cats drank back in them days. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you can neither confirm nor deny this if you want to, but uh, I've heard <laughs> the Japanese men, Drink an awful lot. Yeah. And if that's true today, good Lord. Let a bunch of people go through World War II. I bet Toshiro Mifune was after it and smoking a lot of cigarettes, too, probably. Yeah, and you know what? You didn't even need to watch a documentary to know that. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, I, I will say, I, I looked into this just before we before I called you, and it it's... According to Wikipedia, which is is not flawless, but apparently the character in Zatoichi meets Yojimbo was not the same character as in the two earlier movies. He's supposed to be a different character, and they were just kind of trying to cash in on those two actors or those two character types meeting each other. And oh, okay. the one that I should have watched was... Uh, incident at Blood Pass, which came out the same year, and is supposedly the same character that was in the earlier movies. And I haven't seen that one yet, so now I need to go back and I need to watch that one um, because is that on the Criterion Channel? I don't know. I I just saw that right before I called you, so I need to go in and look. Uh, hopefully, it is. It's um, so interesting, you know. Uh, the the sort of rapid change in technology as far as how we view all this stuff. Like, uh, you know, you and me have been talking about doing this for a long time. I, like, it's funny you were saying that. I After, when you, so when we were talking about doing this last week, you mm-hmm. were like, haven't we already done that? And I was really second-guessing myself. I was like, I don't know, haven't we already done it? Because it was a long time ago that we talked about it. Right. But then it's been even longer since I've watched like a lot of these movies. Like when I watched most of these movies, they all were Criterion Collection movies, but I was renting them mm-hmm. from like independent, like a DVD, you know, rental place stores right. here and in Boston. When I lived in Boston for a little while, there was a 
a rental place that had like all the Criterion stuff, and I would get all the Samurai movies from there. And then when they started to have uh, DVD Netflix, then I would rent them off DVD Netflix. But when Netflix went to streaming, that stuff, it's not on there. Right. You know, like you can get some of it on Amazon Prime, usually for like three ninety nine. But Netflix, I mean, they don't have anything on right. there like no, that anymore. Not like that. You know? This is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on The Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. Yeah, I, you may still be able to get it off. I think they still have kind of a DVD Netflix, but I had had sort of mixed experience with it last time I tried with it. I think they really are pretty much just streaming is the main thing. Right. Uh, but I was, you know, what I was getting at with that is just that I thought it was really interesting for me having, I have not watched a lot of movies like that in a while. Mm. And when I put this on, I realized, like, I saw I was watching it, and then I, like, had my phone out, and I was, like, looking at something on my phone, and then looking back, at the, and it was like, oh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not doing it at all right now. This right. is not, this is not, this is not what we're doing. I took my phone to the other room, plugged mm. it in, turned the ringer off, went back and sat down and watched the movie. Mm. You know, and it just, I was just thinking about how just, it's just this unprecedented change with right. technology as far as like what is our attention span like and everything right now compared to like when I was like a 18, 19 year old kid, I could go rent three of those movies mm. and sit there and watch all three of them. And buddy, when I was watching them, I wasn't doing shit but watching them. Right. I wasn't sitting there flipping through a magazine or looking at my cell phone or right. doing this and doing that. I sat there and just watched the whole damn thing. Right. Now here I am about to be 40 years old. And I was having the like, okay, no, we're not doing that. We're watching this, you know? Right. And I think it's a, a very valuable thing to do. And I hope that a lot of younger people will realize that and sit yeah. and watch these movies in the context in which they were meant to be watched. Yeah. Like those stuff we were talking about earlier, like Luke Cage and Iron Fist and all that, that stuff was meant to be watched by people who are simultaneously looking at Instagram the entire time. <laughs> to where you can sit there and look at Instagram the entire time yeah. and still enjoy that. That's how it was made. Right. These movies were not made like that. These movies were made for you to go in a movie theater and sit there and watch it mm. the whole time. Not yeah. do anything else. Yeah. You know, you don't you know, you, you watch the whole thing. It's like um it's like the difference between listening to jazz and listening to like the strokes. 
Mm. It's the same thing. Mm. You don't do it the same way. Right. You know? So, I mean, I definitely think that's something to, and if we have any listeners that are younger and haven't been exposed to those type, you know, movies like that, like, you know, I don't even know. Do you call Kurosawa Chanbara? No, I, I I would not. I think I mean, that... Kurosawa is Kurosawa. Right. Yeah. It's, a it's different... art. It's art. It's if different. If you're going to watch that, it's art. Right. Put your phone up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Don't have your phone out. Sit there and watch it, you know? The one of the, th- one of the things that... It. Get into the atmosphere one of the things that i really in, enjoyed especially in the last few years look i work i work freelance freelance architecture freelance drafting plus you know everything i do with the karate school and and uh and so there have been times over the last few years where you know you just wake up in the morning you work and or draft all day long then you go teach class then you come back from class then you draft some more and you just do this all week long and you know during that period one of my few pleasures was just going to the movie theater where you can't look at your phone you're not going to answer emails you're not going to do anything and just sit there and watch a movie even if it was a modern movie um but i had a similar experience or uh, as you which is look i the i had this movie and a few others that i bought as DVDs, you know, the Kurosawa collection. I bought this pack of DVDs of his movies. And, you know, so I've watched this, just the ones that have been in that in that pack over and over and over again. And when I put this in, at first I'm like, oh, I'm going to take notes and I'm going to type on this thing for the karate school. And I'm going to do this. And then about 45 seconds into the movie, I'm like, no, I'm into it. This is good. This, I'm just going to sit here and watch this movie and enjoy yeah. this, you know? <laughs> and that's what I yeah, did. Yeah, just trying to soak it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh? Um, but I, I think maybe bringing things full circle, uh, I think that with people over the last two months around the world, in the U.S., in Japan, everywhere, everybody's spending more time at home because you're not allowed to spend time anywhere else and spending more time with your family. And I think people are starting to appreciate being able to take time, uh, the time, taking time, slowing down, spending time with their family, watching movies, reading a book, and just paying attention, being a little bit more mindful about what's going on around you. And hopefully that's something positive that can come out of uh, every the everything we've been dealing with in the last few weeks, months, last couple months, it cert it certainly will be for some people. You know, mm. I mean, I think it's just one of those things. It's like anything else that you come across in your life that's hard. What are you going to make of it? Right. You know, one guy gets a prison sentence, and he reads all the time. He helps the other inmates. Maybe he even, you know, starts working towards getting some kind of law degree or something like that or Mm -hmm. whatever. Gets his GED, becomes a Muslim, whatever. (laughs) Right, right. Some other person, they go to prison and they use that as an opportunity to just meet other people that they can be in, uh, you know, the opioid business with when they get out or, you know, network with other people who, you know, break into houses or something like that and learn how to make... uh, you know, learn how to make a shank out of Rice Krispies and candy that you can get in the commissary. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's all about the person, but you know, hopefully I know that is something that I've really seen 
And I won't name any names. Some mm-hmm. of them might be family members. Some of them might be friends. Right. But I have definitely, in this time, I have seen the consequences of the unexamined life. Hmm. Of not practicing any form of mindfulness. And it's bad. When mm-hmm. shit hits the fan and you're not just like the turkey getting the turkey food and you got to actually deal with some stuff getting hard yeah. in your life, the people who have been doing things like meditation, like martial arts training, those guys are thriving, frankly. I hate to say it. Yep. You're thriving right now. You're thriving right now. I feel like I'm thriving right now. <laughs> I Not am, man. Not say everything's been easy, but I think that we're thriving. And then you see, I have seen some other people, and they are not thriving at all. They're just terrified and upset at home, or they're angry, yeah. Yeah. or they're angry at the people that they chose to spend their life with. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, you know? Man. I mean, it really is rough. I mean, I think that it's... Uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely that's definitely something to really think about. That like having some kind of mindfulness practice in your life, even if it's you know maybe everybody can't do martial arts and stuff like that, but some people it might be something like watching a movie like that or like you know anything where you're yeah. disciplining your mind yes. to do something. Yes, that's very very important when things get hard, and I bet that Toshiro Mifune and Charles Bronson, all those guys, can tell us that. <laughs> Definitely, man. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I feel like I am thriving. I got something out of the last couple months. You know, physically, mm-hmm. look, I've been working on my pull-ups. I can do more pull-ups than I could ever do before. I'm back to being able to do a bunch of dragon flags. I have been putting out chop talks once a week. I've been working on editing these karate uh, articles that have been sitting around for 10 years or more and even my regular work i'm logging a bunch of hours billable hours so i think i'm coming out of this stronger and better than than i went into it in fact you know during it you weren't allowed to go out on the weekends anyway so i'm just like well i gotta stay home saturday night so i'm going to sit here and i need to write up this uh this description of whatever it was. Uh, I need to I need to work on this write up of uh, the the uh, karate I did when I was training with Shinzato in, in Okinawa. And then mm-hmm. this yeah. this this last weekend, I guess I technically am able to to go out. So I'm sitting around Saturday going, ah, should I go out and ah, go to a beer somewhere? Should I stay in? And then I just wound up not doing anything. Um, yeah, productive. So I I need to think about that myself and make sure that I. I keep keep things moving uh keep things progressing like they were when i wasn't allowed to go out anywhere that's right yeah i mean it's uh it's definitely a time you know where if you're doing that kind of thing that's that's the right thing to do for everybody Mm -hmm. you know is to be a part of be creating something you know and maybe that's just creating a better connection with your family you know, and the yep. people that you live with, your wife or your kid or husband or whatever, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just really important that we keep, we don't get lost in just negativity about whatever, yep. because that's where all that stuff seems to come from that we were talking about earlier of the people who are real polarized about this stuff. They're not focused on what they're doing in their life. 
You know, they're not focused on that they're doing something positive. They're just focused on the internet news feed and what the damn, you know, liberals or the damn Donald Trump people or the damn whoever. Right. Instead of focusing on like, hey, let me try to get better at riding my ATV or whatever. Right. You know, it's just if, if you're focused on something that is positive in your life, you yes. know, dry firing your pistol, whatever, you know, yeah. that is that is ultimately going to be net positive for everyone. Right. And if you're just focused on negative elements in this fear for yourself or whoever, I mean, it's just not it's just right. not productive. Absolutely. So, watch more samurai movies. <laughs> I agree. All right, man. Well, I think that's a great note to go out on. So uh, let's wrap it up for today. Cool. I really appreciate it. It was uh, it was fun having a, a Chop Talk episode where the, the research was watching a bunch of great movies. So, so yeah, you, let's do it again. Let's yeah. do it again. I want to watch another one. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, let me know which one, and, and we'll make that in a future episode. That sounds great. All right, my friend. Uh, so I'll let you go. All right, Mr. Ingram. And we'll talk to you. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks again to Ezra Scott for joining us today and reviewing one of the all-time greats, Akira Kurosawa and Toshiro Mifune's Yojimbo. Visit the Chop Talk Facebook page to add your thoughts on a review. To find out more about Ezra Scott from James McLean's Kosho School of Karate in Nashville, check out www.koshokarate.wordpress.com. If you like the show, please share it on Facebook, Twitter, and wherever you listen. Write a review and give us a five-star rating. We have some great guests and interesting discussions on this podcast, so please help spread the word. Thanks for listening. Nihedibiru and Mataya. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high-quality and heavy-duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.